We're all missing travel right now, but you know what else we're missing? Getting more. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels, and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals and flights. And when you save more, you can do more. More wow, mmm, and yes! Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, visit Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more out of it. And don't forget to download the Priceline app for even more savings. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 52 of the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe DeMeo, and it is trade deadline week as you are listening to this show. And man, it's, uh, it's a lot of rumors going on right now as Joe and I sit here and record this show. And a lot of teams making some small moves, not a ton of big moves yet. And the Mets are are pretty much rumored to be involved in every kind of move right now. But episode 52, number 52, the most memorable, at least to me, is Ioannis Cespedes. And then one random for you, uh, because he's more in the news about his negotiations than his career lately. And that is Tony Clark, who played one year for the Mets. So we're going to do a lot today. We're going to talk about the trade deadline rumors again. Last week, we did scenarios. This week will be more tied to actual rumors going on and a few of your questions that are scenario related. Kumar Rocker, the latest going on there. Uh, some some reports about some questions with his physical, specifically his elbow. We'll see if the Mets can get a deal done with him. So, Joe, let's bring you in. This is a crazy time of year. But above it all, the Mets are still in first place. Still in first place, still chugging along, still splitting doubleheaders. I looked earlier today. The Mets have played 11 doubleheaders this year. They swept two of them, and then they split the other nine. So they legitimately haven't lost one. Have not lost the doubleheader yet. They don't win many of them, but they come out 50-50, which, you know, I think obviously fans, I think, are a little upset that you know, they haven't pulled away necessarily, but they haven't really lost ground either. So I think the Mets are still in a good spot. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's trade deadline week, you know, episode 52 with Cespedes, one of the biggest impactful trade deadline acquisitions in Mets history. And uh, hopefully there's something up their sleeve that can equate to that this year. Yeah, he really was. I think before we get into the show, we always do dive into one of these key numbers here, if one exists. And Cespedes is absolutely one of those key numbers. I think for me, as a Mets fan, I know things did not end the way people had hoped with Cespedes in a Mets uniform, but uh, for me, it's it's one of my favorite time periods as a Mets fan, quite honestly, is when they acquired Cespedes and the run they went on really behind him. I think we look at that team, it was no secret they needed a big bopper in the lineup and they had to make a move. And quite frankly, that was coming off an era where we had not seen the Mets make a move like that in a really, really long time. They just hadn't been competing for a while. They'd been rebuilding. I think they surprised a lot of people in 15, and when they acquired him, it really couldn't have gone better, quite frankly. I mean, in just 57 games, regular season games, 
that second half of the year for the Mets. Cespedes hit 17 home runs. He batted 287. He had a 942 OPS. I mean, he really was everything and more they could have wanted for the middle of the lineup. And he had a monster 2016 year. But getting back to that 2015 season, uh, he had the two home runs in the NLDS. It really may be one of the most memorable bat flips, bat tosses in, in Mets history. Cespedes was that run they went on. Um, he was really the anchor, to be quite honest. For to be quite honest about it, he was the anchor in the lineup. And and without him, I don't think they make the World Series that year. No, they don't. He, I mean, that offense. I I think if you go and watch like a Mets yearbook or whatever that they do on SNY, and you watch the 2015 one, how deplorable that offense was in the first half. Like they couldn't hit anything. And then they got a little hot and got into the situation where they could buy. And then they grabbed Cespedes, and obviously he carried the offense on his back for the rest of the second half. And then obviously in the playoffs, you had Daniel Murphy and, and other people step up. But yeah, Cespedes, major, major impact. And also Tony Clark, you mentioned, he not only wore 52, he also wore double zero as a Met. Oof, that's pretty uh, pretty crazy number for a such a random player. In Tony Clark, because he was only a Met for one year, correct? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it was not a long stay here. So he had 52 and double zero. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, we'll be hearing his name a lot more when those negotiations, of course, go on. But getting to the now, right? Looking at the situation uh, before we do get into the trade deadline and, and everything surrounded with that and a, a ton of great questions, as everyone always sends this show. Kumar Rocker, a lot of excitement when the Mets took him. I know our YouTube reaction, we were really excited. We liked the pick, excitement about the pick. I don't really think that has changed, to be quite honest with you. But now the rumors not the rumors have turned into real news, right? When you see places like The Post or you see someone like Anthony DeComo of MLB.com, who is, you know, as reliable as it gets for Mets information. It's being described as an elbow problem that came up in Kumar Rocker's physical with the team. Now, this is something I'd asked Joe um, recently is I, I didn't know that, you know, it's it's not really like the NFL and other sports where they have every last bit of medical info before they draft these guys. So don't don't kill the Mets here. Don't blame the Mets here. Now, on the flip side, Kumar Rocker's representation, Scott Boris is saying that they their medical people are not detecting this same issue. So it's not like Rocker is, it needs Tommy John today. It, it's not anything like that. It's just a matter of, there has seemed to have been some verbal agreement around a $6 million deal, which is over slot of where he was drafted. And quite simply, this just could be a negotiation going down to the wire, which Mets fans are quite used to after the Francisco Lindor situation. But Joe, number number one, what's your concern level here? And I know that's not a fair question because you're not a doctor and don't have the medical information, but just looking from afar. And, and two, what is your view on on this situation? It's not it doesn't really seem that rare, honestly. So concern level, like you said, I have no earthly idea what's up with Rocker. All I know is that he was in New York at the end of last week to 
take a physical, make the signing official, go through the press conference, all that fun stuff that was supposed to happen sometime at the end of last week. I can't tell you exactly what day. Um, Then obviously the Mets put him through the physical, MRI, all that stuff. Something came up. Uh, Don't know to what extent, obviously. It's something within the elbow. Um, Indications seem to be that it's not like he requires Tommy John surgery to the point that you you said. Um, And pre-draft, it's kind of a, hey, Scott, is there anything going on with Kumar? And he says no. And that's pretty much it. Like there's the MLB combine just became a thing this year. It really was not crazy well attended. Um, Hopefully as time goes on, that event will get more attended by college, high school and some top players. And at that point, you'll be able to have the full medical information. And then, you know, like you see in the NFL draft all time, people slide due to something that came up at their physical at the combine. So MLB will hopefully get there one day. So this is not a, not an LOL Mets moment at all. Um, I have the expectation that they still will figure it out. I'm not sure if he will end up with a slightly lower bonus than the $6 million or if the Mets will end up going with the $6 million and just me, just a fan. I know that, uh, you know, anyone listening to this, if you're with the Mets, don't, uh, don't get mad at me, but just from my seat here as a fan chilling, like sign Kumar rocker, give him the $6 million. Um, unless there's something way more significant at hand here, uh, like beyond Tommy John, uh, to me, just do it. Give him the, give him the money that you, you agreed to, um, keep that relationship strong from the beginning and let's move forward and, you know, take it as it comes. If he ends up getting Tommy John surgery, so be it. I mean, it, it happens to pitchers. It's not the end of the world, but I'd be, uh, I'd be a little upset as a fan if they chose, if, if it didn't work out and, you know, the signing deadline is August 1st. So this coming Sunday at 5 PM, if that time goes and the Mets of rocker end up not reaching an agreement, I'll be a little sad for sure because I was very excited to add a guy that I put as number two in the Mets farm system, which is a top-heavy system with some really good prospects up at the top. Um, but of course, if that does not happen, just to prepare everyone, if it doesn't happen, uh, the Mets, unless the system drastically changes, would get the 11th pick in next year's draft as compensation for not signing Rocker. So they'd ultimately have two first-rounders next year. But, I mean, I I, I couldn't say... You know, let Rocker go and have two first next year. Just sign Rocker and then draft your first rounder at 30th overall or whatever pick it's going to be when they win the World Series. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't that doesn't make me feel better. Right. That they would have the 11th pick overall next year if it just get this done. Um, And we, we had a question in here from Kirk. He said, what happens if Rocker doesn't sign by August 1st? Uh, does he become a free agent? Well, he can go back to school. And as Joe said, yeah. you know, the Mets would would not lose that pick. Now, one weird thing I did read, Joe, is that there's no guarantee that they get that pick because there would there's a new CBA being discussed. Yeah. So that would be assuming that that part of the CBA doesn't change. Correct. Correct. Yeah. If that part of the CBA changes, then they could potentially get screwed. Yes. Um, as far as what happens if they don't sign him, 
um, his choices are go back to Vanderbilt or play independent ball for a year and then re-enter next year's draft. So if the Mets don't sign him, it's not like he could be a free agent and go to the Yankees. Because imagine, Matt, not just Rocker, but imagine like that being a thing. All players, oh. do, all players have to do is be like, okay, I'm not going to sign with you, Kansas City. And then just on the side, your agent is talking to the Yankees or whoever and saying, you know, the Royals want to give him $3 million. He doesn't want to go there. If you give him $2 million, as an undrafted free agent, then he'll go to you. So imagine uh, how that would work. To, they can't do that. So no, he, he, would, he would have to either go back to Vanderbilt, which he actually would have two years of remaining eligibility. So with, you know, obviously with the added year with COVID and everything. So he'd have two years of eligibility left in college, or he can go play uh, independent ball for, you know, almost no money and then just re-enter the draft next year. Last part of Kirk's question was, could they agree to sign him and flip him to another team? Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. They absolutely could do that, right? Is there, There's no like window that you have to retain the player? Uh, no, that that rule, it was like the Trey Turner rule, I think is what people really refer to it as. Uh, I don't know if you could actually flip him like this week. Like, I don't think I don't know if they could sign him today and flip him on Thursday. There still might be some time period. Uh, but obviously, Jared Kelnick's an example of a guy they drafted in June and traded in November. So um, that that rule that w- it used to be you had to be in an organization for a year, uh, that does not exist anymore. Uh, but with that said, I don't think the Mets would be uh, signing and trading Kamar Rocker. But good question, nonetheless. Yeah, really good question. I, I didn't know the specifics of that either, and it is. Um, it would be interesting to see something like that go down. I just I, I would like to see them just get this done, move past it. And, you know, whatever health issues do pop up, as long as it's not something that's keeping the guy off the mound right now, even if he did need Tommy John right now. I, I mean, just get the deal done when it comes down to it. And, you know, one thing I want to throw your way that I always wonder, because th- this is something that's very real in the football world, in the NFL is there can something like this clear now Boris kind of has friction with every team at some point so I don't really read too much into this but can friction building like this between Boris and an organization like the Mets which clearly there is a very stern disagreement here on Rockers health or long-term health can that bleed into like a Michael Conforto situation, like another situation um, with the player and the team and the agent? I would th- I would hope not. I would say Scott Boris would not be doing his job if that were the case. Um, but I guess it's not impossible to think that some personal feelings can exist. I mean, it is sometimes tough to stay all business at all times. Um, obviously, I'm sure at whoever's listening, your place of work Um, It's not easy to keep it all business at times. Things do get personal. So I guess it's possible. Um, But that would be quite that would be uh, the best agent in the sport doing quite a disservice to one of his better clients and someone like Michael Conforto um, by saying, you know, we're not signing with the Mets because look what they did to Kumar Rocker. Michael Conforto doesn't give a crap about Kamar Rocker. (laughs) Um, So it it would be it would be really bad if that were the case. Um, I would say you would see it's more likely that a team would feel something personal towards an agent than an agent feels something personal towards a team. 
not talking Mets, just talking in generality here. Like, all right, if Boris screwed a team on a draft pick, like, all right, well, we're not going to pay your guy. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think that's kind of where I look at it. But hopefully uh, there's no impact and the Mets could choose to sign Conforto if they want to. And uh, hopefully they get Rocker under wraps. I mean, let's be honest. They gave JT Ginn almost $3 million and he had Tommy John surgery. He was injured when they gave it to him. So, and he wasn't a first rounder. And he wasn't a first rounder. So get the Rocker deal done. Love you, Mets. Yeah, got to get it done. And I think they will. I actually I do am too. optimistic. Yes, I do too. I do too. Yeah, and, and you guys know how I am. I, I pretty much call it how I feel. If I thought this would be doomsday, I would say that. But I don't. I think they get this deal done. Okay, trade deadline week. This Friday at 4 p.m. is the trade deadline. And it is. this is like the real thing. There, There's no movement after this deadline. Um, this is, I think you're going to see a lot of action. I think you're already starting to see some action. One name consistently attached to the Mets throughout this week was pirate starter, Tyler Anderson. He is going to the Philadelphia Phillies. I didn't really give a crap when this trade went down because quite frankly, yes, it would have been nice for the Mets to have an arm, especially as you and I sit here and record this on a Tuesday when they are throwing Jared Eikhoff this evening. Yay. Um, listen, they got Hill already. He's kind of your fifth starter type. He's obviously pitching above that right now because they're dealing with multiple injuries as they always seem to be with the rotation. Tyler Anderson, it would have felt like kind of the same move in a way. I, I think it would actually be worse. I think he's actually not as even effective as Hill personally. So it kind of stinks. Sure, the Phillies... Might have got a little better this week, but at the same time, it's it's nothing groundbreaking. I think it's just no secret here that the Mets are are on the market, in on the market. They're looking at more pitching. I know everybody's just saying, hey, they're looking at pitching, pitching, pitching. I'm sure they're sniffing around position players. I'm sure they're checking in and monitoring the prices of some of the big bats that are available that are expected to move. And, you know, one last thing that's newsy with the trade deadline, apparently Max Scherzer um, would not waive, would not, you know, he would use his no move clause to not go to the Mets. Uh, that's interesting when you're playing for a, a loser right now. But but good luck, Max Scherzer. I don't think the Nationals would trade him to the Mets anyway. But Joe, before we take a lot of trade deadline related questions have you been watching the market and getting a feel for the prices? And and two, what is kind of your gut feeling about how the Mets really play this? And I know it it's probably not the headline of Mets get Javi Baez. I think I joke tweeted at you once that they're trading for like every single person. Like, <laughs> what is your current state of mind as we're four, we're three days away from the big deadline day? So it's really tough to gauge a market based on you know other trades because when it when it comes to like who are you going to trade everyone myself included even for other organizations because i know the mets farm system top to bottom but I, it's not like i know the phillies farm system top to bottom and so I, I use mlb pipeline and those sites and um the return for tyler anderson seemed very light i mean for a rental pitcher who's let's just call him league average um he's really not bad but he's not all that great either and um can the Mets use an average arm? To your point, Jared Eikhoff is pitching tonight. So 
Yeah, in theory. And all it costs the Phillies, you know, just using MLB Pipeline as a gauge, they're number 29 prospect and then a guy outside of the top 30. So I don't know if that means that guy's 31 or 47. So uh, I can't really tell you a ton about him, but it seems like it was a light return there. Um, the Adam Frazier deal to San Diego felt a little light too for a guy with his contractual control beyond this year. But uh, Marcano is a prospect that the Pirates just really wanted. So where guys are ranked don't really matter. I mean, it's good for discussion. It's good for reference. But the reality is teams covet who they want. Like the Mets could be talking to, you know, I know there's rumors about Jose Barrios and it's like, all right, if the Mets are talking to the twins about Barrios, they may not like Ronnie Mauricio just because he's ranked high in the Mets system. He just might not be someone the twins covet. So it's tough to gauge from that perspective. But ultimately, from what I gather, the Mets' focus is on the rental market. Um, on average, rentals cost less than players with control, obviously. Um, they definitely want to add another starting pitcher. That's almost for sure. Um, and I think they're looking to be opportunistic in the bullpen and on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they're monitoring Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Trevor Story, you know, they're monitoring those guys' markets because I don't think the price for a rental bat is going to be nearly as much as people think. So I think there's a chance that um, they make a move, two, three moves even. Um, it really depends if they're going to do any combined things. Like, you know, I'm, I'm on John Gray. I mentioned it last week and I'll mention it again. Like maybe a deal with Colorado is John Gray and Trevor Story or... John Gray and Michael Givens reliever uh, out of their bullpen. So it really depends how that goes. But I think the Mets have a goal of coming out of this week with a starter for sure. And then whatever they can do offensively and with the bullpen. So I, I think they're going to be active and it may go right up to the deadline. Uh, definitely can't rule out that I'll be, you know, we'll be doing an emergency YouTube from my car mm. on the on the way to City Field because <laughs> I'm going to the Back in Black game on Friday where we'll get to see Cookie Carrasco make his Mets debut. It seems so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I expect the Mets to be active. Um, I know people are freaking out that other moves have happened and it's not the Mets. It doesn't matter. They haven't lost anyone that you know really impacts them. Uh, I think they could have grabbed Tyler Anderson, sure. But I, to your point, I think Anderson would it would feel like they acquired Rich Hill twice, even though even though even though they're not the same pitcher, obviously. And, you know, Tyler Anderson's nickname, I'm sure, is not nearly as fun as Dick Mountain. So, yeah, I think I think they're aiming a little higher. And uh, John Heyman mentioned John Gray today on his appearance on WFAN that he's one of the people the Mets are considering. So I'm just going to sit here and say. I hope the Mets get John Gray. I think he has a chance to be really good. Well, that's a great transition for a question I have for you from our latest review on Apple Podcasts. This is from HHGGVV. Uh, left us a really nice review, but the question was, what do you think about the possibility of an overall deadline haul of Bryant, Kimbrell, and John Gray? Would you be willing to pay the overall prospect, prospect cost? I think I'd go Mauricio for both Bryant and Kimbrell. And then John Gray should just cost a low-level guy or two, I think. Is this realistic? Is that real? We've done a lot on Bryant and Kimbrell, 
But what what is your overall feel for the price on gray? I th- can't be crazy. I, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's higher than Tyler Anderson's. Um, but like, I don't think you're going to have to part with a top 10 guy to get John Gray. Um, I, at least I don't I don't believe so. So I think they'll be able to get him um, a little more reasonably. Like it might cost, you know, a Jalen Palmer, Junior Santos at the top of the deal. You know, someone in the teens and then a lower level guy. Um, I think that that could potentially work for John Gray. And I just don't see the Mets pursuing Craig Kimbrell. I don't think Same. I really, I really don't think the Mets want to exceed the luxury tax this year. Uh, I know that they're able to. Um, Steve Cohen obviously has the money, but I do believe that Steve Cohen, in talking to Sandy Allison and, and talking to Zach Scott, is probably being told, "Look, we're doing a new CBA this off season. We have no idea what the penalties will be." for a multi-time offender of the luxury tax. And I have the expectation that the Mets will surely go over to luxury tax this offseason. I mean, it's just, it, they'll probably even get there simply by signing their own people. Like if they sign Michael Conforto, they sign Noah Syndergaard or Marcus Stroman, like signing their own, they'll probably end up over to luxury tax. Forget like, in, you know, another significant addition. And I think Steve Cohen's fine with that. He's, he's ready to spend with the big dogs, but... It is, in my opinion, too, it would be a mistake to just go over to tax this year. with And, you know, for now, you're just paying a financial penalty, not the end of the world. But what is the second time offender cost? The thing is, we know what it is now, but we don't know what it is in the new CBA. What if it's way more significant because they want, they want teams to spend less? So they're saying you could go over, but if you go over twice, you're going to get some crazy penalty. I don't want the Mets to then be like, well, we went for it at the deadline in 2021. Now we can't sign these guys in 2022 because of what the penalties are going to be. So to me, find a way to stay under the luxury tax, improve the team, try to win. And then in the off season, I would imagine you'd see that big spend. So uh, for me, I don't see really any scenario where the Mets are bringing in Craig Kimbrell. No, that would be a a large amount of money they'd be taking on. Now, of course, Chris Bryant, very possible. John Gray, very possible. I think what interests me, because we've heard, and we've God knows we've talked about both of them so much, I find it interesting that at some point, <laughs> you know, these teams, especially the Rockies, we know Trevor Story's not going back there. They got to get something for Trevor Story. At, by Friday, there's just no way that continues to go on for the position that that team is in. I think Javi Baez is interesting to me because I know the Cubs have made it clear they are holding out hope he's somebody they can keep, but his name has also been in in trade rumors over the last two weeks or, or somebody that at least they'd probably pick up the phone and see what was going on. And listen, we've talked about this before. If you they love him that much, they could still sign him as a free agent after the season is over. He's a rental. I mean, these big bats, these big boppers are rental players right now. And and I think that, you know, I look at this from the Mets as much as they could sit here and say all they want or leak all they want or anybody can report that they're looking at pitching. There is a point where the opportunity cost of getting one of those guys as a rental 
might just be beyond worth it because you're just not surrendering what you would normally surrender, especially as I sit here as we record this. And it seems like Max Scherzer is being talked about as the biggest piece on the trade deadline. And the Mets are are not going to be involved because he, one, won't go there. Two, the Nationals won't send him there. So that means some big time you know, teams fishing here, some big game hunters are going to be angled all the way at Max Scherzer. And that kind of dampens the market on other big pieces. And there's no reason why the Mets shouldn't make those calls and explore how they can make the, you know, make out of this, um, you know, in, in some kind of way that significantly benefits the team. And like you said, Joe, you don't think it's just one move. It could be two. It could be three. I think we're pretty confident they're going to get one of the pitchers. It's just a matter of what caliber pitcher are they going to get? I'm with you. I think an acquisition of John Gray uh, would be fine. You are kind of holding your breath there because then you're really hoping that Carrasco's return is for real and that Jacob DeGrom, when he's back, he's going to be back for good. But at the end of the day, I still think that's an adequate move. I just look at this deadline right now and say, man, this is the the deadline of opportunity. And I know there's just all kinds of headlines thrown out every single year to get people interested in it. But I do think this one feels different just because there are way too many teams that are clearly out of it that have rental pieces. They they literally have to sell. Yeah, and to me, John Gray is probably the best realistic starter outside of Max Scherzer that's going to go. Like, I'd rather have him than Zach Davies and and guys like that. I'll take my chances. I think Gray just has upside. Uh, so to me, that that's the move. And, you know, I think the Mets will be aggressive, certainly. And opportunistic just like you said it's opportunity cost i think that's what zach scott said in his press conference yesterday or monday he was like look you know we're talking everything and you know we're going to be opportunistic so while maybe chris bryant is not at the top of their wish list maybe he is but let's just pretend he's not if he isn't that's not to say that on thursday or friday the cubs say we'll trade you bryant for blank and it's just like, how can we not take Chris Bryant at that cost, even if he's not our preferred target? Sometimes you just have to let the market come to you. And I think the Mets are are well prepared to, you know, make some moves. And, you know, I think they'll stay in the rental market, like I said, but I think they're, they're ready to be active. Uh, I think they're going to hang on to the top prospects in the system. And, you know, we'll see kind of where that line is drawn because um, I do think they're going to try to, try to make a push, but, you know, I just don't think, you know, I, I said this last week that it's not the time to go all in, push all your chips to the center. Um, you want to keep these prospects and start developing them so that way you can make that farm system much stronger and then have that sustainable success. That's what it's all about. You need the young players to do that. Just trading prospects for established players, that's how you win right now, but that's how you win now and then lose for two or three years. Mm-hmm. So that so they have to be smart in in calculating how they do it. And given the fact that he's an acting GM, um, I give Zach Scott a lot of credit for, you know, just being pragmatic and, and smart about this and not like, screw it. I'm not even necessarily here next year, hypothetically speaking, or not in this position of power. So what do I care if I trade away a top prospect? Maybe I'll get a World Series out of it. So I, I appreciate the fact that he's handling it properly. And I'm confident that, you know, the next time we speak, the Mets will have made 
you know, hopefully a, a pretty meaningful acquisition that doesn't cost them an arm and a leg. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Modern markets require modern investment approaches, and with Yield Street, that's what you'll get. Explore wealth-growing investments in art, real estate, venture capital, and more, with minimums starting at just $500 and targeting annual yields of up to 18%. Discover the difference a diverse portfolio makes and trade volatility for stability with Yield Street. Visit YieldStreet.com to get started. That's YieldStreet.com. All right, mailbag time. Let's let's get into that. Let's see what wouldn't cost them an arm and a leg or what might. From MetsFan04, and we're going to do a lot of these kind of you know trade package questions. It feels like everyone wants to know. If the Mets want to add at least one more starting pitcher, hitter, and reliever, why not call the Rockies about John Gray, Trevor Story, and Michael Givens and call it a day? All three players would be true rentals, so could a deal like this be done without giving up a top five prospect. What do you think, Joe? I don't know if it could. I lean no. I think yeah. it would I think it would at least cost the Vientos. At yeah. least. Yeah, that's that's a lot of talent coming your way. And that's the Rockies saying we're trading all these guys to one team and not, you know, getting something from the Mets for Gray and something from the Brewers for story and something from the whoever, Yankees for Givens, whatever, just throwing a team out there. Like at that point it's like you need to be able to combine talent to make all of those pieces go because those are the Rockies' three biggest chips. So I can't imagine them trading them all in one place without getting something of substance back. And I think the Mets will be wise to try to limit it to two from a team, maybe. Um, and, you know, fill two two birds with one stone and then go address the other one elsewhere. Uh, so whether that's you get Gray and Story or Gray and Givens or Story and Givens, you know, you can kind of work it out that way and then maybe, you know, go ahead and 
get Zach Davies or Chris Bryant or Javier Baez from the Cubs and just spread the wealth. Because uh, I think if you're the Rockies, I mean, if I ran the Rockies, I would certainly be looking to trade these guys to to three different teams just to maximize my results. Um, I'm sorry, return for all of them. But if you can combine a couple of them and get a little better return for it, I could see that happening as well. All right, the next one, this is something I've thought about very recently, is from Steve.Miller. Is there is there any scenario that you see current MLB players heading the other way in a trade? JD, Guillaume, McNeil, Dom, on and on and on. I, You know, this is a really interesting one from Steve because I would not rule it out if... Now, JD's bat is so good, but his defense is just... It's like every time a ball is hit the third, you kind of like lock up and you go what's going to happen um i i think for this one personally it just matters how much i don't think they would just trade a guillaume or dom or mcneil because those are those are legit you kind of see where those guys fit with the team right now and 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 going forward quite frankly they have very clear identities uh low cost identities going forward with jd they are obviously monitoring the potential of upgrading third base where you'd love to have him on the bench as a bat, a big bat. But at the end of the day, if if he's someone that a team really covets and it significantly lowers your prospect return, then yeah, I do think you could see a JD in a trade. I wouldn't say it's impossible. I would say it's highly unlikely. Uh, I mean, ultimately, if you're going for it, you don't want to lose some talent. And let's call it what it is. JD has hit really well since coming off of the IL. And, you know, his defense leaves some to be desired. So maybe he's better as that bat off the bench uh, down the stretch. I don't know if JD is a long-term Met. But with the Mets fishing in the rental pool, I'd be a little surprised if they were trading um, anyone from their major league roster as part of that short of like a Tommy Hunter thing like they did where he's injured and out for the year and the Rays are looking at it as a, hey, maybe Tommy Hunter could be a middle reliever for us in 2022 at a cheap cost. Uh, I I don't see it, but I guess it depends who they're pursuing. You know, if it's a Jose Barrios, you know, a bigger deal like that, maybe. But with the Mets focused on rentals, I'd be a little surprised if it ended up costing them anyone from their big league roster. Yeah, I think so, too. It's it's possible, uh, not ultimately likely. Okay, the next one is from John Fior. If Vientos isn't traded and we still need infield help, if we don't make a move, would it be likely to see him in the majors this year? I'll get out in front of that one and say I don't think we'll see Vientos in the majors this year. I would agree. I don't think he'll see the majors. I think it's possible he sees AAA, and he'll be Rule 5 eligible in the offseason. And you have to add them to the 40-man roster uh, ultimately then. But at this point, with all the 40-man fluctuation that the Mets have had due to injuries and everything, uh, I don't think you see Vientos in the bigs. But I'll tell you, if he came up to the bigs, he'd hit some dingers. Like, I mean, the guy guy can hit, and he could hit the ball hard. Um, I think right now he would struggle against big league pitching, of course. I mean, he's 21 years old, getting his first taste of double A. And he's obviously been awesome lately. But yeah, I don't see him in the major leagues this year. Uh, but he he might see Syracuse before the summer's over. 
Which, yeah, it would be great. He's got 56 games under his belt in double-A ball. So uh, a totally fair question, you know, from John there. I just think when you look at it, they are just not going to go that direction, I don't think. They're not going to rush anyone up or, or feel the need that they can get. If they were a team that's, you know, not competing to win the division or for the playoffs, then maybe you, you get a brief look at some of those guys, as teams always do. But in terms of expecting anything from them, I think that would be a big mistake by the Mets and pretty unfair uh, to the player. So this one is from Jim D. What's the one move we can make to improve this team batting average with runners in scoring position? Outside of injuries, this has haunted them all year. And I I fully agree there. Now, I don't, I don't really have the clear answer. I would assume, and he was just traded, that Adam Frazier would have been that guy just simply because he's hitting 324 this year. Right. I would like to look up his, uh, you know, how he's been with runners in scoring position, but he is such a contact bat and he's leading. I think he's still leading the league in hits right now. Yeah. That I would assume he would be, he'd be the guy that you go, okay, it's a no brainer for a lineup that has struggled with contact at times. Uh, but that's why the Padres were, were pretty aggressive to go get him already. Yeah, I, I don't have the runners in scoring position stats for you. I'm sure you could look up Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, and Javi Baez pretty quickly. Um, but ultimately, when it comes to with runners in scoring position, you're looking for guys that don't strike out as much. So Adam Frazier, of course, Take Javi would be out. <laughs> would, yeah, Javi probably, in theory, would be the worst with runners in scoring position because of his strikeout rate. Um, but... It, you just you just need guys that put the ball in play. Like I hate to say, like I don't think team. It, it's a great point by Jim. Let's be clear. Um, but I don't think teams really pursue guys with the thought of how they perform with runners in scoring position. Um, ultimately, even through a full season, the amount of at bats you get with a runner in scoring position isn't that high. So it's a small sample size, regardless. Like you could do poorly with runners in scoring position this year. And then be good next year, and it's just not a ton of at bats. Uh, so I, I don't know how they specifically address that. Um, certainly, last uh, yesterday was frustrating um, when VR came up with first and third, nobody out and strikes out, and then McCann grounds into a double play. Um, that was certainly frustrating. So I, I get it, but I, I'm not sure who who helps best with runners in scoring position. But the names, you know, to keep an eye on at least where we stand today is. Story Bryant Baez, and who knows if, if the Blue Jays decide to sell? I don't think they will, but if they did, you know, I'd be making a call on Marcus Simeon too. Oh man, how good has he been? He was so somebody good. we talked about a lot yeah. in the offseason. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He he's gonna get. I would think he gets paid. Handsomely. He finally gets. He finally gets his real payday. You know, he took a one year prove it deal this year. Sure, it was eighteen mil. But it's worked out quite brilliantly for him. 24 homers, batting 275, 870 OPS, swipe 10 bags. He's just, uh, he's been tremendous for them this year. That would be a big, big name added to the market. And listen, I don't think there's a move that would excite me more than acquiring Javi Baez just because I love watching this guy play. And he's been one of my favorite players in baseball for a couple years now. But the reality of the situation is, He's a guy that throughout his career struck out a lot, right? And that's his reputation. A uh, big time bow- power strikes out a lot. He struck out 130 times in 90 games. 
this year. His previous high is 167 in 160 games 2018. He is going to shatter, shatter his strikeout record in a season. So if that's something that bothers you, just be ready. If that if you're one of the people yelling for high, and I am one of them, I would love to get Baez. But you are right, Joe. He for all the big moments, the flair, the home runs, he's got some speed. He's still in 13 bags this year. Uh, position versatility, which is great. I would great love defense. him in a Mets uniform. He's great, great defense. defensively. Yeah. Oh, I would. I would. Lo- not no acquisition would make me happier than Javi Baez. But man, he is. He's the strikeout king right now. I think he leads the league, the whole league. Yeah, I mean, he he he's very much a guy that if you just throw sliders down and away, he's going to swing at every single one of them. <laughs> oh man, for a team that also has not hit a curveball all year, too. Yes, uh, what yes. a joy that would be. So, all right, <laughs> last question of the show. Um, we flew through this one, so I'm sure we'll just banter some other trade scenarios before we close it out to give you the full hour. But this is from miserable Mets fan who says Beatty Vientos Mauricio, which, if any, are you willing to trade for a rental like Scherzer or Bryant? Now, I know, Joe, you are not willing to move one of those guys for a rental, correct? I am not. uh, I can have a conversation about Vientos uh, if I'm getting Bryant and Zach Davies, Bryant and, you know, someone else to help that conversation. Right, exactly. I can have that conversation if I'm getting something additional. But generally speaking, no. I mean, that's just the reality is rentals. I I think as we build up to the trade deadline, people just think of the names of the players that are available. It's just like, oh, that player's really good. He's going to cost really good prospects. But rentals, especially rental bats, do not net much. Like, I think you should be able to get Chris Bryant alone if that's the guy they want without trading any of those guys. I think you'll have to give up, you know, someone of substance. It's not like you're going to be able to give them, you know, two nobodies in, you know, in the 20s, 30s of the prospect list. But it shouldn't cost guys at the top of the system. And I think people will be surprised at the returns for specifically the bats, um, that it's it's not going to be nearly as high as you think. Mm, yeah, I, I think so too. I think that, you know, the Mets are so interesting to me, and and you know more about this than anyone because they are a system that is clearly, um, you know, has a drought of volume, right? When you think of the Mets system, top five, I'm not going to say it matches up with anyone else's in baseball, but it's really good. It's really strong. It does match up with a lot of farm systems in baseball when you just look at the the combination of Alvarez and Mauricio, and we'll see what happens with Rocker. But even before they drafted Rocker, the season Beatty's had, when Matt Allen is back from Tommy John, Vientos, the season he's had, has been remarkable. They That's not the issue. The issue is from a volume perspective, the Mets, you know, call it 9 to 30, it is not going to stack up against a lot of other 9 to 30 groups. But to me, and I want your opinion on this, this market seems to play with the prospects in that, you know, nine or 10 to 30 range rather than these big boppers in the top five of these big systems. Unless you're talking, you know, the craziness of the Mariners looking at a Trey Turner or something like that, a, an MVP candidate with team control next year, or a couple of years. 
this market seems to be geared more towards the mid-level guys at best. That's definitely what it feels like. And that and that's that's the price of rentals typically. I mean, you're looking at you're gonna see teams probably trade for 19 year old, 20 year old, 21 year, like really young kids that are in single A that have upside and just haven't really broken onto the scene prospect wise. And, you know, every year there's guys that pop up that are lower on prospect lists. They go at, and play well in single A and they hop up next year. Their tools um, evolve. I mean, guys obviously develop. So I think you're going to see teams looking more in that range than, you know, the top guys, certainly, or like just guys that are decent in double A or triple A. I think you'll see some more some more younger players dealt. I know that, you know, multiple people have reported over the last week or two weeks that teams have been heavily scouting the St. Lucie Mets where they have, you know, Alexander Ramirez, who was their top international free agent signing a couple of years back. He's playing there. Um, Jalen Palmer is playing there. Uh, who's done really well, flushing native, actually, um, former 22nd round pick that's, you know, turned himself into a good prospect. And then, you know, you have a guy like Junior Santos, who's a big arm that touches 96. He's up, he's, you know, six foot seven, touching 96 miles an hour. So they have some interesting guys that are a little lower down the list that are younger and in single A. And I think those are the guys that some of these teams, the Rockies, the Cubs, et cetera, are going to be asking for. Yeah. I think so too. I, I just think that you, it just makes you wonder, do the Mets have to get creative because their mid-level prospects don't necessarily match up with other teams, but you made the great point that maybe it's just, it, it just teams bet on more potential, right? They go for guys that were once big international signings that because of the COVID year, we, we don't really know anything about quite frankly, which is makes all of this that much more interesting. And it's preference too. I mean, these organizations True, are gonna like yeah. they're, they're gonna like who they like. Like I was saying before about like the twins, for example, might not like Ronnie Mauricio. Like the Cubs might not like Jalen Palmer, but the Rockies may love him. Like there's no there's no saying, but given the the depth issues in the organization, you might have to give up a little more quantity of guys within that call it you said, you know, nine to thirty, ten to thirty range. Like you might have to give up more quantity from that to to get a deal done so you might have to give three or four guys instead of two or three like you might have to give an extra guy or something to to make up that difference but they have they have enough pieces to make deals they're gonna make deals it's just a matter of when it happens who it's for and how many do they make and uh I sincerely hope it's not while I'm driving the city field on Friday. I really hope they could get it done. I'd, I'd like a deal if they could go ahead and get it done on Thursday. So that way that would be great for us. <laughs> that'd be great for us. One. And then two, like be really cool when I'm at city field and the new acquisition is donning the black jerseys for their first game as a Met. Like that feels pretty awesome. So if you care about that kind of stuff, Zach Scott, Sandy Allerson, like feel free to just get the deal done on Thursday if you don't mind. Would you be more surprised if Chris Bryant isn't a Met by 4 p.m. on Friday? No, I would. Joe, we've been talking about yeah. this guy since December. Yeah, which almost makes me feel like it's never happening. Yeah, like it, that, you know, that I don't have obviously uh, anything to back that where it's like, you know, the Mets are looking other in another direction. But anytime I could take the field 
generally speaking, I will. Because um, Bryant's getting moved somewhere. And it could be the Mets. If it's the Mets, I won't be shocked in the slightest. But if you if you give me the option to say like he could go anywhere, <laughs> I'll I'll take the field over the Mets. Mm. Would you be all right, last one from me. Would you be disappointed if the only pieces they come out of this thing with is John Gray and a and a at best a mid tier reliever? A little bit. I, I kind of think agree. so only because I don't think they would be they they wouldn't have been as opportunistic as they said that's you know on the surface these guys are not going to net a lot the rental bats and it doesn't even necessarily have to be you know i think you know we've hammered home trevor story chris bryant javier baez they could go and get somebody else too i mean there's other people that are free agents after the year that maybe are not as big a name and maybe not quite as big of an impact i mean Zach Scott did say in the press conference when he was talking, he said, we have to take account that when we acquire a bat, it's got to replace someone. And we feel good about the offensive players, which, you know, they haven't performed up up the snuff this year. Uh, they've been good since the All-Star break, short of yesterday. They've been putting up some runs. But you have to take into account, yes, there are flaws to J.D. Davis. They're apparent. We all know about them. But at the same time, I also think, Shady Davis is a damn good hitter, and it's not like you totally want him, you know, on the bench not playing at all. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they navigate it. But I think the opportunity cost is going to be there to acquire a bat. And at the end of the day, I, I I want them to try to win, and I think they'll be able to do so. Acquire a couple pieces that'll push them. You know, it doesn't matter how on paper you match up because. Who knows if the Mets get healthy and everyone's good and, you know, DeGrom, Carrasco, Syndergaard, Stroman, Walker, John Gray, Rich Hill, like, you know, the bullpen gets gets its, you know, stuff together. They could play with anybody. So it doesn't matter if they're the best team on paper. That means absolutely nothing. They can play with anybody with the roster that they have with a couple smart additions. So my hope is that they acquire definitely a starter, a bat, and if they could get a bullpen arm, it would be nice. I'm with you. I think that's the the perfect plan at this point. You don't need to go out and get Burrios. You don't need to go out and get Richard Rodriguez. But if you can get something serviceable at two of the three spots and then something above average at one of the three spots, I think that would significantly improve this team. And that's not taking into account that Things are trending better with the offense. I know the doubleheader was not great in terms of that, but and the big sample size, not the one-day sample size. Um, and then, of course, when when the staff gets right and gets healthy. But this is a team that needs help, and we're going to be all over it, and we are going to be all over it Friday or Thursday night, whatever it may be, from our YouTube channel, not the podcast. That's the easiest way for us to react, uh, the way to give you guys the you know breakdown pretty much on the fly it's not going to be because this podcast will always pretty much release on tuesday evenings i'm sure a lot of you download it when you first get up or whenever you go into your podcast app on wednesdays but it's usually posted uh tuesday evenings so when you look at it the youtube is the way for us to be a little bit more spontaneous and, and with the trade deadline you know what it ends so subscribe to the that's some that's youtube for friday it's going to be a lot of fun hopefully if they do nothing uh, you're going to see two very salty faces 
uh, on the stream kind of saying, why didn't they do anything? Or maybe we'll be so mad we don't do anything at all. But anyways, Joe, episode 52, the Cespedes episode, closing thoughts. Yeah, just to get excited for trade deadline week. I think ultimately they'll regar- do something. Yeah, regardless of what they do, they will do something. But regardless of what they do, this is a fun time. Like I love watching trades happen in baseball, whether the Mets are involved or not. Like I just like player acquisition and breaking down the prospect returns and everything. It, it's super fun. So get excited for it. And like Connor said, definitely subscribe to the YouTube, YouTube channel. We're going to hop on to talk about whatever move the Mets make. If the only move the Mets make is John Gray, we'll go on for a couple minutes and talk about John Gray and, and what they gave for him. So, um, And who knows where it'll be. For all you know, they'll make a deal at you know, 359, and we'll have to wait a little bit to get the you know the prospects. We'll have to wait a half hour for that, and then get together, get on the YouTube there, and I'll be in the parking lot of City Field. And I'll turn my phone sideways, and we'll uh, we'll rec- we'll record something live live from City Field. So um, definitely check out the YouTube because um, we're going to be doing something this week because the Mets are not coming out of this deadline empty-handed. A true man of the people, even on his his off time on Fridays, Joe will be joining the Streamyard. Uh, that's a must. I will not do it by myself anyway, so he has no choice. And the black jerseys returning on Friday. Definitely a fun time, an exciting week in Mets land. And we will be back for episode 53 for a little bit of a longer trade deadline recap in the YouTube video. But also, of course, State of the Mets minors, State of the Big League Club. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.